When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Very difficult to keep the line between the past and the present. Do you believe that someone out of the past can enter and take possession of a living being? We may be through with the past, but the past is not through with us. Welcome back to the next Picture Show, a movie of the week podcast devoted to a classic film and the way it shaped our thoughts on a recent release. I'm Scott Tobias here again with Genevieve Kosky, Keith Phipps, and Tasha Robinson. Last week, we talked about Nicole Hall of Center's 2001 comedy drama, Lovely and Amazing, a film about four women struggling with self esteem issues. Now, over 20 years later, with her new film, You Hurt My Feelings, those same issues have not gone away. In her second collaboration with Julia Louis Dreyfus after their 2013 romantic comedy, Enough Said, Hall of Center cast Louis Dreyfus as Beth a writer and college teacher who's been laboring over her first novel after her memoir failed to make much of an impact. Throughout the writing process, Beth has gotten nothing but encouragement from her husband Don, played by Tobias Menzies, a therapist who is starting to feel a little insecure about his own abilities too. When Beth and her sister Sarah, played by Michaela Watkins, happen upon Don and Sarah's husband Mark, played by Ariane Moyed, she overhears him talking about how he doesn't care for the book. Beth is naturally stung by this revelation about her writing, but she also feels betrayed. How could Don have lied to her this whole time? And what does that say about the foundation of what seemed to be a happy marriage? Hall of Center details the breakdown in communication between Don and Beth and their individual insecurities at work. But she has some other questions too about what partners can expect from each other in terms of honesty and support, and also whether unmitigated encouragement can lead to negative consequences down the line. There's a lot to unpack here, and we'll do so after the break. Your memoir is great. Your new book is great. How are you? Feeling a little off my game. The only reason she makes me a salad is because she wants me to lose weight, which is passive aggressive. No, I want you to be healthy. Doesn't can, matter. Can you shut Any... up and keep talking? Don, you want to intervene here? We can do this at home. Even Milani looks tired. I'm aging. What are you, nuts? Can you get Botox? Well, I just get a little bit right here. You know, I can still move my eyebrows. Watch, watch. So expressive. <laughs> Look. Come on, we'll go sneak up on him. Can you say anything? No, I can't. It feels too late. Oh my god. Oh my god. I think I'm gonna throw up. Wait, what do we got? Right here? No, I don't think I can. I can't. If I did say that, you took it out of context. Are you gonna gaslight me now? been lying to me this whole time. I wasn't lying. I was encouraging. That's not true. You were lying to be encouraging. You know what? As an actor, Mark isn't always great. So the times when you don't think he's good, what do you say to him? You were so fantastic. Really? <gasps> so, yeah, big basic question. What did you think of the film You Hurt My Feelings? Tasha Robinson. 
it hurt my feelings. <laughs> no, uh, I I found myself towards the end of this movie thinking, have I enjoyed any individual scene in this movie? Like, I would put it very much in the same camp as Lovely and Amazing in terms of lightness, I guess, and also in terms of wispiness, in terms of how much these characters are characterized. I think it probably is worth mentioning that both of these films are a taut 90 minutes long. And they're 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 not exactly wallowing in the, the things that they they bring up. They they move along quickly and they cover a lot of ground. And you hurt my feelings feels like a very very much a companion piece and to some degree maybe a bookend to uh, to lovely and amazing. But I've maybe liked the characters less as human beings. And maybe liked the way all of the pieces fit together in the end more. By the end, as I was just seeing the the layerings of how this movie is, again, just a, like a kaleidoscopic exploration of brittle fragility around criticism, like the desire for criticism and the, the negative response to criticism. The more I sat with it and the more I saw where it was going, the more I liked it. It just there were just very few scenes that I actually enjoyed being in. I, I think it's a really smart movie, but it's also one that I maybe struggled a little to empathize with what some of these people were going through or to like them in any way. So I was going to lead with the fact that I, I I found these characters much easier to like. Yeah, than the ones in Lovely and Amazing. Like yeah. I can actually imagine spending time with 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 uh, many of these characters without really hating all my time uh, spent with them. Um, but um, you know, I, I I mean, I like this one a lot. I've seen it twice now. I saw it at at Sundance. Oh, well, quote unquote at Sundance, which I attended remotely, and then I and I went to see it again uh, last week, and and. Yeah, I think it holds up really well. I think with both the films we're discussing and, and I think Hall of Sinners films in general, I think there's elements that aren't necessarily – there's touches that aren't necessarily evident on the first viewing if you're not looking for them, uh, which was, was kind of fun to see that. Although put on the spot, I, I'm not kind of come up with one right away. But yeah, it's 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 a good one. And she's been a little missed. I mean, she's been doing other things. She's been working on screenplays. She did Atlanta City Habits, which was a departure for her, which I I understand. I actually – that's the one I have actually haven't seen but you know a proper like full-on hollow center movie we haven't had one since enough said and it was refreshing to, to get this one i saw this in the theater last night and about two-thirds of the way through two of the people who were sitting behind me got up and left <laughs> they, they walked out of the movie and i was so distracted by wondering like what about this movie could have driven you away after you've been here and you've been in it for an hour. You, you know, I, there's nothing offensive about this movie. I, I guess like the only thing I can think of is like maybe they were bored because there's just not enough incident. But like, I agree with you, Keith. I think these characters are much easier to like. And overall, the film is much less prickly, I think, than, uh, than lovely and amazing. Like I, I came away from it feeling less troubled, I guess, than I did from from, from Lovely and Amazing. It just felt like more of a, uh, a a nice movie in the end, you know. Maybe wrestling with some somewhat uncomfortable themes, but I didn't find it like cringy. I also didn't find it nearly as funny as, as Lovely and Amazing, mm. I, I, uh, which I, I I watched first. But but I found it like pleasant, and I thought. I think like the most interesting part of it to me, less than its interest in 
the lies we tell to support the people we love is sort of how it digs into professional ennui or the acceptance of averageness maybe is is more uh, what what uh, compelled me i love the scene of uh, her son. I actually I love the the son character uh, in in general, played by Owen Teague uh, Elliot, and where he's uh, kind of going after his mom for being so supportive of mm-hmm. him and, and telling him, you know, he's gonna be, he's gonna be the best swimmer or, or, and everything, and just kind of a unwillingness to accept that some people are just average at things, you know, and that setting of expectations and sort of how that has uh, seeped into both Beth and Don's professional uh, situations and feeling that they are not excelling to the extent that they that they should be. I found that all very interesting and not something that I can recall seeing explored this way, whereas the stuff about, you know, trust and support feels a little more expected. In the end, like, I like the way it all came out, but it just the film felt a little more glancing uh, to me, but I enjoyed it. Here we have a whole bunch more people who are bad at their jobs. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, was gonna, I was actually going to bring that later. I think we should unpath it a little bit later. But Scott, you were, you were well, saying I mean, something? maybe not flawed at their jobs, though. I mean, that's the thing. I think this, you know, average might be a way of putting it. They're, these are flawed people, just which is something that all of a sudden is really good at writing about. I think this is their best movie. I l- absolutely love this movie. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, it, uh, I think it, it's, um, I wouldn't say glancing, but it is so subtle and so funny, so beautifully realized. That scene that Genevieve mentioned with the, with the son kind of, getting on his mom about the type of support that she's given him you know throughout the years when he was a child i mean that hit really hard for me i have to say as as a, somebody who always wants to you know you're a parent you always want to encourage your children you know you always want them to excel and do their do be the best versions of themselves they can be and this is a film that kind of really questions on so many levels what that support should be what it looks like you know what 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 is the what are the limits of encouragement you know what 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 are the and what what are the limits of 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 all that i mean you know i think it really it's interesting to see how the exposure of this truth that the husband does not really like the book complicates and then actually improves in a way this marriage you know it doesn't necessarily guarantee that more candor is going to be a part of it, but it does kind of get you to a place where it's like, hey, is it healthy to be 100% encouraging and 100% supportive and set someone's expectations for, you know, that they're going to maybe have a bestseller from this novel or that it's going to, it's interesting to kind of like to see these characters struggle to figure out how to support each other and how to do best for each other. Because I think, you know, fundamentally, the family in, in 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 a film like Lovely and Amazing may, may be kind of flawed and disconnected, but the, these this family, you know, the, in this marriage especially, they, they care about each other mm-hmm. a great deal. You know, uh, that's you know they share food, <laughs> <laughs> which is a really nice touch. Um, and so uh, and so they're in. Yeah, go ahead. I love all the scenes of the, of the, of the sun's repulsion and, and all the things. <laughs> I, I, I want to do a, a, a quick uh, round robin. Who thinks sharing ice cream with your significant other is okay? I think I'm fine with it. 
okay and like perfectly normal. Like the yeah. the fact that he's so repulsed by it, I think maybe says something about what went wrong with his own relationship. Well, it's when you're it's your parents, though. You know, oh, sure. uh, he's, he's just grossed out because they like each other. Yeah. But you know, let that's me, a little let me, okay. Let me that's ask you very this, childish. Like the 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 moment where he's having a conversation with them over dinner and he complains about feeling like a third wheel in their relationship just really took me aback because it's like what is a child supposed to see as their role in your relationship like your your personal relationship not within the family unit but what does he think his place is supposed to be in their marriage that makes him feel like a third wheel i i found that character fascinating i really enjoyed him I think it's different for only children mm-hmm. to as an only child uh, raising an only child. Uh, I think it's you get kind of get a different dynamic there. Uh, John Hodgman once, who's also an only child, described it as as you know a three legged stool and almost <laughs> like you know it's, it's, you just instead of having parents, you have weird older roommates and like. <laughs> I, I, I sometimes see that reflected in my own life, but, uh, you know, uh, but I think there's a little bit of that going on in this as well. So can, can I dig in a little bit more to the whole dessert sharing thing? Because <laughs> oh, I, I think there are I think there are levels to this. Uh, that I think about it. I mean, of course, of course, you go to dinner together. You just split something, right? I mean, you get you, you know, I mean, who 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 gets two dessert? You get one dessert and you split it. That's fine. Ice cream is interesting because I feel like <laughs> with ice cream, try a bite, try a bite. That's great. Like, but actually ordering a single ice cream cone that both of you are going to eat. I don't know about that. I feel like that's, I feel like there, that's, that's not, I, I, I feel like you kind of have to have two ice cream cones. And it's then, a little bit too intimate to do in public, right? All of the well, people in this movie are, are pretty skinny people. Like they're also New Yorkers. Really, really, they're, yeah. First of all, I want to, I want to say that that ice cream cone in New York city possibly cost $12. And second <laughs> of all, it's enough ice cream for two people. And third of all, they're probably all watching their weight. So uh, two people sharing a ginormous ice cream cone just does not strike me as weird. It's the cone of it all, like a, a cup of ice cream, you know, even sharing a spoon with a cup of ice cream is, you know, feels a little less subversive than just licking right off the same cone. But also like it's your significant other, your, your, you your mouth's have touched. switch all yeah. the time. <laughs> now offering it to your adult son and then yeah. pressuring him when he does not want to mouth something that both of his parents have mouthed, that's weird. Yes. There's, there's no world in which it should be normal for them to all three share a, a cone. But then he, he, he's got his whole like third wheel thing. And it's like, if you feel like a third wheel in this ice cream cone, just go buy your own ice cream cone. You're an adult. You've got $12. Come on. <laughs> This is, I mean, I I find the premise of this film so interesting, though, because I do think that that scenario, and that is a nightmare scenario, right? I mean, if if you if you're with 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 somebody and you you obviously are investing a lot in that marriage, but then of course you have this work, this work, this book that you've been working on, uh, your first novel, and you, you you've also invested quite a bit into this particular thing, and your your in, in so much of your sense of worth, I guess, is tied into it to overhear. You know the fact, the truth. Basically, that's a hard thing to come back from. Uh, I, I think it's. I, I I like that as a kind of a starting place for a movie because you you know you, you kind of think about what if what, you know what what would happen if you learn such a truth from your partner that hit you in the most po- vulnerable possible place. It's the closest thing she has to a high concept film, isn't it? I mean, you know, walking and talking is about walking and talking. Friends with money is about friends with money, but this is actually has like 
a, a huge inciting incident. It does. You know, now that I'm thinking about it, her, her titles are very literal. Lovely and Amazing is <laughs> about women who think that they are not lovely and amazing, but the people around them maybe disagree. And this movie is definitely about a bunch of hurt feelings. Like everybody in this, this the title could literally come from anybody in this movie, which I really just kind of love. She's selling out. <laughs> what? That is she's not just at like, all she's what going, I'm... She's going for the big, the big money, the big hooks. I will say it, where Lovely and Amazing felt to me like a, a Todd Zolan's film without the edge in all of its little confrontations. This movie felt to me like a Woody Allen film with the neuroses turned way down. It's <laughs> still a, a hyper neurotic New York movie about very rich people with very small problems that mostly stem from their their inner views of themselves and like how they engage with their other like rich upper class friends who have have very small problems, but spend a lot of time in their own heads. And it engages very heavily with both with therapy and with the setting of New York. It feels like a Woody Allen movie to me, kind of without the like the Jewish humor flavor, you know, that that sort of like traditional sort of Borscht Beltish uh, voice to it. But it it still feels a lot like Woody Allen's issues, like the the ideas that he deals with about going to therapy forever and not making any progress and about co- the constant uh, urge towards self-examination and finding huge holes where you feel like something more substantial should be and about disappointment with other people and looking perpetually at other people for a reflection of yourself that you're not finding like it it all felt very woody allen to me well i mean that's a huge influence and we don't talk about woody allen very much (laughs) these days and that's that's kind of maybe we should because this is where we can get like anything that you're missing about woody allen you can get here without engaging with any woody allen (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's we filtered out the woody allen so you can enjoy this film um but i mean you know i mean she grew up basically grew up on the sets of woody allen movies because of her she had a family connection Uh, her stepfather was his producer apparently but yeah, but I, I do think there is there is the, the I think the influence extends beyond that. I, I think there's there's a really great knowledge of when to cut away from a gag mm. in, in in her films. It's, it's evident here. It's evident evident well in all her films, uh, but certainly lovely, amazing, which we talked about earlier. And maybe just when to cut away from an idea because the the ending of lovely and amazing i think is very interesting in comparison with the rest of the film but the the final shot of this movie Ooh. which i just i just don't want to spoil except to say that it it's ends so on a, good. a moment of ambiguity mm-hmm. that to some degree just like underlines the themes of the whole film and i i was in the theater like i i had a relatively detached experience watching this in the theater where i i never felt like threatened by the anxieties in any sequence mm. but i found myself almost on the edge of my seat on that last shot just thinking please cut please don't show us how this comes out this would be the perfect moment yeah. to cut and then it cut in the perfect place yeah i mean i just think i, I it was interesting just to watch these two films back to back to see the growth in terms of in terms of craft and uh, in terms uh, you just i think there's just a there's you know i think i think you could see the seams a little bit with lovely and amazing which is so conceptualized and and here all of that seems a little bit more smoothed out and and naturalistic and um just you know just beautifully 
crafted. Um, you know, it evokes, I think, the city a little bit in a little bit stronger a way, um, though Los Angeles is always a challenge as uh, uh, to make anything out of Los Angeles. It's interesting to hear you characterize it that way, Seth, because I think that that smoothness is what kept me from loving this film. And I, like Tasha said, like I, I did feel kind of detached uh, from, from it watching it. Uh, but, you know, obviously, you know, you can watch films a different way, but I think like, it, it's interesting that like what you see is such an asset to this film is something that was a little bit of a stumbling block for me. Yeah, I'm with I'm with Genevieve. I think there's maybe a little more of a, a rawness and, and incompleteness in a way to lovely and amazing, whereas this felt very slick. I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just but I, I just I, I felt it was also credible though, and 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 it does still have some very strong, consistent themes that sort of tie, you know, its characters together, but not in a way that that feels engineered. Um, I mean, that, that's a very hard thing to pull off I, you know I, and I, I just I, you know i think i really think a lot of care more care really has gone into non-central characters has gone into supporting yeah. characters i think i think we have a lot of really wonderful turns here i love i mean Jeannie berlin anytime she's in a movie is a delight she's incredible in this uh, i love michaela watkins mm-hmm. uh i i, I like i love uh, stewie can we just call him stewie <laughs> this was like the succession supporting player review between, <laughs> between yeah, that's right uh, that's right we have Sid, Moyed, Sid, Sid and, uh, zach and cherry and, and yes uh, yeah you got sid peach in there too Oh, I yeah, also just I, I really enjoyed uh, David Cross and Amber Tamblin going uh, yeah, each other. I was waiting there for that real, real, real life couple for anyone who missed yeah. that. But yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, and that it felt it felt real. It, you know, they made mm-hmm. it feel feel real. And I, I like that. I like that. That is, ends up being kind of their united front of just <laughs> of, of just like we're gonna fight about absolutely everything. But you know what? You're not doing anything for us. And we want our money back. Uh, I thought I I, there- I love that anything more New York than we've spent $33,000 on therapy in two years uh, seeing <laughs> seeing this guy and also now we want a refund you know though I think I think David Cross might have been right about the wastebasket I think I think he, oh, yeah. I think he called him I think he called him out correctly there yeah that yeah. is a, an overly full and kind of gross wastebasket yeah. and, and also- a wastebasket that's got almost nothing in it but tissues like but yeah. wadded up dried tissues mm-hmm. that's an image that nobody needs well, well it's not a, also not an opaque uh yeah uh, uh, garbage pail but but one where you can see all the tissues yeah. uh so yeah. uh, i thought that was clever and i and i do like how that whole subplot is handled with don where some of the stuff that starts to kind of go down in his it, you know in his marriage as a result of what his wife finds out it reflect you know alters his approach a little bit to therapy makes him a little bit more active, a little bit more solutions oriented, a, a little bit more present for his clients in a way that that's helpful, you know. And I think that, that that's one thing I really like about the film is is that it is hopeful about the way that um, experiences, even painful experiences, can uh, deepen relationships, can make people grow, even even in, in change, and even when they're kind of farther along in life, you know. So you know, I think you leave. It's an optimistic movie in the sense I think you do really leave the film believing that husband and wife and parents and son are um, closer and are understanding each other better, are, are functioning better as a family than they were at the beginning. You know, I, I like I like the positivity of that. 
Yeah, that's a really good point. I, I, I definitely feel like this movie is much more about people confronting the central question and trying to figure out for themselves what it means as opposed to being completely unaware of it in Lovely and Amazing and a feeling like the feeling that we're just experiencing all of the narcissism and anxiety and neuroses in Lovely and Amazing without any of the characters really being all that aware of it in themselves or each other, without them calling it out or, or debating it or considering it, versus the feeling in uh, The Hurt My Feelings, where they're very aware of these things in each other and they're talking about them and learning things about them is just a very different approach. And it, it, I think it does make You Hurt My Feelings a more satisfying movie in a way. It feels just like a more mature film and not just in the the filmmaking and the writing and, you know, but just in the ideas, you know, and, and how people react, you know, there is a greater sense of self-awareness all around, well, with the exception of uh, Elliot, the, the, the kid. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, again, he's he's a kid and these are all people, you know, in their fifth probably and also not for nothing a, a therapist and a writer who's put out a memoir you know that self-examination is part of their profession so i think even though they have these initial knee-jerk reactions they also have the experience uh the life experience to to think about what that reaction says about them it kind of made me want to go Watch the whole Hall of Center photography. Well, for one, it's very slim; you can easy to get through. But but it's watching her characters are kind of aging with her too, mm -hmm. you know. And 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 I think I think these characters may be just a tiny bit younger than she is, but not really. I believe she's in her early sixties, and these characters are in, in their mid to late fifties for the most part. But uh, I, I guess there's probably maybe one reason this is a a, a little more uh, a little less pointed is is comes from a. a so a more reflective stage of life, perhaps. Yeah. yeah. We have kind of been edging in a little bit <laughs> to connections uh, with Lovely and Amazing. And, and uh, so I think maybe it's time to just make it official. Uh, so we'll be uh, back with Connections. And I did some things that are good. I mean, I won that thing for the piece in the Atlantic. That was, that was really good. And all the articles and all the essays, you know? I mean, he probably thinks it's just crazy that I even teach, you know? Oh, God, what about my memoir? Oh, he probably thinks it's bad. Oh, my God, this whole time. It's about you. How could he think that? How could he possibly respect me? Of course he respects you. Oh. No, not if he doesn't like my work. You know that. He's probably been lying to me this whole time. No, there's just no way. He's a liar. What a prick, too, you know? That he doesn't think that I could take it. Like, that alone is so insulting. Beth, he loves you, even if he doesn't like your book. I just need his approval. Of all people. Well, let me read it. It's okay. You don't read. Now it's time for Connections, when we bring these two films together and talk about all the things they have in common. Tasha, what you, what you got for us? I guess I wanted to lead off with kind of the big picture idea that both of these movies are fundamentally about 
a cloud of interrelated people who all have the same problem and to some degree don't see it in each other. Like as we were just kind of discussing in Your Heart, My Feelings, there's at least enough self-awareness for Beth and Don to realize like once she confronts him about the lie about being supportive, once their son Elliot confronts them about the lie about he was a good swimmer he was you know uh, good at stuff that he was isn't necessarily good at they start thinking about it and conversing about it a little more but i i still think that in both cases these are kind of fundamentally movies about people that are self-absorbed to the point where they don't see that other people are having the same struggles that they are it expresses itself in different ways in in different people. You know, there there is a difference between Michelle feeling that she hasn't really done anything with herself in her 30s and kind of angsting about her art and, you know, Annie being having all of these images and ideas projected on her. Like there's maybe less difference between Beth worrying about whether her book is good and Don worrying about whether he's a good therapist. There's maybe more awareness in You Hurt My Feelings of all of them kind of questioning, especially their jobs. Am I good at my profession? But I'm not sure that they're in either case, in either of these movies, there is a more overarching recognition that we're all fighting the exact same battles here every day. Like every single one of us is struggling with the same thing. And if all of these people who are in You Hurt My Feelings case, at least, very self-aware and self-examining, spent a little more time examining the people around them and relating to the people around them, it, it sort of feels like all of these questions might have clearer answers and might come to kind of like warmer conclusions where they support each other more. This is not a bug, it's a feature. This is, both of these movies are, are explorations of themes. But I just, I think it's really interesting that fundamentally, because both of these movies are kind of about a, a kind of fragile narcissism, uh, pretty much all of the characters end up missing how connected they are to everybody around them and how much the other people in their worlds could relate to what they're going through if anybody ever like surfaced from their own navel. In some degrees, there, there she makes films about people who have an unhealthy need for validation, but aren't very good at validating others. But then this one is about when validation goes wrong, isn't it? It's, it's kind of uh, yeah. the, it's when you're getting the wrong kind of validation. That's kind of one inverse. of the things it's about. Yeah. I mean, uh, Lovely and Amazing has that kind of in a different way, but I'm thinking of a, a bit that we didn't really discuss uh which is Elizabeth's uh, dog gathering, uh, literally coming back to bite her, <laughs> oh, <laughs> you, you know, no. and and like she like she flat out acknowledges, and this goes back to what I was saying in the last half about you know the the flip side of narcissism being self awareness, and Elizabeth displaying a little more of that than uh, the other characters, and the, as we said, the characters in You Hurt My Feelings also have a lot more of that self awareness in in the mix too, but. Elizabeth even acknowledges that, you know, she uh, is, is looking for, you know, affection, validation, whatever, uh, in collecting these strays. And then to have it so literally bite her and having that kind of thrown in her face uh, is very interesting to have happen to that character in particular. One thing that a lot of Hall of Center films have in common, uh, you made me think of it with the adopting strays thing, is that 
the characters want, uh, will often kind of want to do something to kind of give back to the world. I mean, the, the, the movie Please Give is about that, is about mm-hmm. is about how generous a person, am I a good person? What do I have to do to be a good person? What acts do I have to have? And, and she turns that into comedy. And you get a little bit of that and you hurt my feelings with, with the work that, yeah, the <laughs> that ch- they do the for church, the church, uh, yeah. which is just like, you know, an Her mom wanting that cut. blouse, that blouse back. Wonderful, Just the kind of attitude, just like oh, this is kind of this kind of sucks to do this. <laughs> you know? I, I like the like the honesty of that is so interesting in it, but it, but it is kind of a a running theme of Hollow Centers of just of these characters who who are you know liberal minded and and there's a part of them that wants to be kind of good citizens and so they kind of act out into the world in this way and usually uh hollow center finds a lot of comedy in that uh but that's just one little thing the other the other connection i was the other thing i was really connecting with was this idea of professional flailing we see it with elizabeth and michelle in lovely and amazing and then we see it with all four of the adults here and there was a concept there's a concept in poker called pot committed which is which is which is when which is when you when you're in a hand, and you've put a lot of chips in the in the middle, and your position is is starting to look pretty weak. There's a certain point where you can't go back, where you have to kind of engage with the hand, go follow through on the hand, even though it's kind of a weak hand. And like all the, the, the that's the that's really the dilemma that that these characters all face, especially the characters in You Hurt My Feeling because feelings because they're a little older. I mean, I think you can see with. Elizabeth, especially in Loving and Amazing, she's at an inflection point in her career where she's kind of thinking about, can I really move forward with with being an actress? But I think I think everybody in in you hurt my feelings because they're older. You know, you have you have you know a therapist, you have a writer, you have a interior decorator, and you have a, another actor. They're kind of pot committed. Well, and don't forget Elliot, who is actually pot committed. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, but, but but I, I also wanted to point out that as the younger character, like he is probably the uh, you know maybe most analogous to uh, lovely and amazing, you know, uh, and that he is working this job at a dispensary. He's a manager, but uh, it's an hourly job at a dispensary. And, you know, but he's working on his writing, you know, and I, <laughs> I, I was uncertain if there was actually going to be payoff of, to his writing or if it was just going to be, you know, a, th- a thing he talked about, like his coworker talks about executive producing. <laughs> but uh, uh, yeah, anyway, that, continue. That, that was, that was, that, yeah, that was happy for him. Yeah, but I think that's, I mean, it's kind of an interesting dilemma because it's like uh, you can't, what are you going to do? If you're if you're in your you know if you're in your fifties or something or you're middle aged, it's generally like you know the the career shift <laughs> is a little bit hard to pull off. You know you're kind of you're you're committed, and then and then you have to think about like, am I even good at what I do? You know, um, is and uh, and 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 then of course you know you come to that revelation that maybe you're oh just okay. Beth gets to a point where it's like ah she get, she does kind of get that novel out. Yeah, it may not be still maybe not lighting the world on on fire but it's out there um, it's in the window it it's has in the a, window it's in yeah. the window it's got a blurb i, like yeah. another, I love the gla- gag about her looking at her blurb and then looking at her competitors her perceived competitors <laughs> yeah. blurb and, yeah. oh, and, then, and then moving her book on top of the now, other. I'm gonna, i'll tell you right now i've done that 
<laughs> not, not on top of it, not on top of another book, but I definitely have definitely turned my book. So it, instead of being picking spine out, it was facing cover out. Um, do I feel a touch of shame doing that? Yeah, yeah, I think it's a very, I think it's a very common thing. But I also think that the the movie um, instantly paying it off with the the workers in the bookstore yeah. walking over to see what she did, looking at her and like oh, looking man. out the window yeah. at her and laughing in her face. And her like, slinking away. <laughs> that, that is a, a brutal, brutal comedy moment. Yeah, that's, that's still pretty big, funny. A big loss, big L. One of the most interesting scenes related to, to this connection uh, for me, well, and you hurt my feelings, was uh, when Beth is uh, ta- teaching her her seminar, her writing seminar, and discovers that not only have none of them read her book, they didn't even know she wrote one, <laughs> you, know, you know? And it, it does kind of underline the idea here of like, well, what is her career at this point? You know, like, like she's she making tiny chairs that nobody wants. <laughs> right. well, or, well, or, she, she or she's teaching, you, you know, like, like, she clearly doesn't need to publish this book in order to maintain her livelihood of, of teaching, you know? Her career in particular is kind of twofold in a way that Don's and, and all the other characters are are not. Her fixation being on her book and what people think of her book, like that feels a lot more about herself than about her career. Because her career is, I guess, fine, at least the it's, teaching it's, part of it. <laughs> it's it's hard to it's hard to tell. She's one yeah. of, it's just, just yeah. she's you know, she's one of those New York characters. I guess right. that's what she's doing. I do like the fact that that they live in a nice apartment, but it's not an oversized apartment. It, it seems like a realistic for an upper upper middle class um couple living in New York. I think it's also interesting that like in the same way we we see a snippet of Kevin's acting and he just does not seem to be a very good actor. We get to hear a little snippets of her uh, students writing and they don't seem to be very good writers. Mm-hmm. And she, I don't think she's a good teacher. You know, mm-hmm. she's not mm-hmm. she's not That's engaging fair. with them critically or thoughtfully. She's yeah. everything's a good idea. Or everything's a good idea. And she like you can see the kind of the panic in the back of her eyes. That's just like. You're going to write about what? And you have no idea of why? I'm just going to encourage you. And what she's, what Elliot complains about her having done, just, you know, in terms of encouraging him blindly without any idea of like whether he's good at what he does and without caring, she seems to be doing the same thing to her students. And one kind of suspects that they're going to not get a whole lot out of this, of development out of this class. They're going to walk out all thinking that they're great writers, which is which is maybe good for the the teacher evaluations she's going to get at the end of the course. <laughs> but uh-huh. I, mean, that's a, I mean, that's a very hard thing to know how to do. I mean, to her defense, it's just, you know, how do you... How, you know, to be to be constructive, to to you know, writers <laughs> writers can be very de- delicate fo- folks. Uh, uh, that uh, unlike you know, who's, everybody who's, else in this movie, like, no, but I mean, like the you know, the, the re- ego management is definitely an, an issue when it comes to to writers. So it's uh, uh, yeah, you know, and she and she certainly is sensitive to that as well. I mean, what is she? How how much she can she handle? You know, I, I, it, can you ever see her doing? what elizabeth did in uh lovely and amazing of just say of just kind of saying okay somebody tell me what's real here about this book about my writing what's 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 actually going on what do you really think 
That would be a hard thing, though, because like Elizabeth can stand up naked and say, like, look at my body. And he looks at her body. It it does not require go away and read an entire book and then come back to me with with honesty. I get the idea. I'm just like, you know. No, but what I'm what I'm saying is, I, like, I'm not I'm not sure that she has based on how she reacts to Don's relatively mild criticism. Obviously, there's a layer there in that the man that she lives with and loves and thinks she knows has lied to her, and obviously there's a. a question there of what else has he lied to me about in the past you know can i trust anything that he says because i he said this thing and i believed him like that is all a complicating factor but one of the things about well maybe one of the bigger differences here is the characters in lovely and amazing seem a lot more robust in terms of their ability to either take in a criticism or just let it roll off their backs like they, like I said with Annie in the previous episode, she knows what she believes and she knows what she wants. And when people contradict her, she's just like, no, you're wrong. Elizabeth takes in the criticism that she solicits and it clearly hurts her a little bit, but it doesn't break her. Michelle listens to people saying bad things about her and responds with a profanity and moves on. Like they're much stronger, like internally, personally characters, not stronger in the sense of how they're written. Just they're more, they're more confident in themselves, or maybe they're just more impervious to anybody else's opinion. Everybody in You Hurt My Feelings is very, very fragile about even the slightest hint of of disapproval. It rocks them. It makes them sad. It makes them crumble. It hurts their feelings. Yeah, I, I think I would characterize the uh, characters in, in Lovely and Amazing as, you know, less like being, you know, stronger or impervious to criticism and more like defaulting to projecting it on to someone else. Like, you know, uh, the criticism isn't about them. It's about the person who is doing the criticizing. Like when uh, Elizabeth says, you know, my sister's jealous of everything, or they talk about how, you know, how she was homecoming queen and, you know, uh, never that popular again, whatever. So the, it, I feel like the instinct is always to make criticisms about someone else, whether it's your mother or your sister or just society or some shitty actor guy. <laughs> um, whereas the characters and you hurt my feelings to so go back to what I was saying about them all being, you know, much more self-aware, prone to introspection. I think they take those moments and make them about themselves rather than the person who said the thing. One of the things I kind of find interesting and insightful about you hurt my feelings is, is that I think it, it has the film has a sense of what a quote unquote successful marriage looks like and it's kind of a frictionless experience and and then it kind of gets to a point where that where it questions whether that is successful or not i mean you have these two characters who obviously care about each other love each other etc but they're so sensitive to to each other's feelings that that it's it's too much of a bother to say i don't like i i don't really want any more of these gold leaf (laughs) earrings or i don't want i i i'm not gonna wear a v-neck sweater uh because i do not have breasts um you know like like it doesn't it's much easier to say thank you this looks great and and move on and it's much easier of course to say these drafts are wonderful keep plugging away and it feels good you know you feel supported you feel you feel loved by a person but you're but they're not you know, these are little white lies. These are things that, you know, are kind of make, make a, can make a relationship smooth 
and frictionless, but also, you know, uh, resting on certain falsehoods or certain things that are unsaid. And building up resentment over time. I'm like, you, you can't tell me that Beth, somewhere in her heart of hearts, does not wish that she would get a present that wasn't the exact same thing. Like the moment when she brings out the rack of like <laughs> so good. T- 24 pairs of leaf earrings. It, it's just. But it, she cares enough to put it on the rack. Yeah. I, I love that touch. Me too. Like, you know, the, the, there is that uh, concern for his feelings that she's going to put them on display. And, 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 I, and she, she tells so good us. Too, the payoff, right? yeah. Yeah. He, he tells us that she wears them too. Like they're not, they're not ties that go in the closet and never come out again and gather dust like she is actually rotating through them and wearing them in order to not hurt his feelings i'm not sure whether that's true about the v-neck sweaters now i'm trying now i wish i had made well i guess it came too late in the film for me to notice but i because i remember at least at one point she was wearing hoops and not so so now so now i kind of i would like to uh go back and track how often she actually is wearing that those earrings instead of just displaying them yeah but yeah, as you were saying, Scott, I, the payoff, is... the payoff of that whole gift giving uh, confrontation is is so good, and I think you know suggests that engaging with those resentments, if you have as strong of a connection as these two characters clearly do, you can weather that storm and come out stronger totally. on the other side. Yes, of it. yes, and have it be this wonderful become this kind of private joke. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's really good. Yeah. And just, I, I love the idea of just like, uh, of them kind of renegotiating the terms of their marriage with this movie, with this painful thing that happens that causes this rupture and then, and that the, they can grow and become better and become, uh, and be able to say what's on their minds a little bit more. And, uh, and, uh, yeah, I just, think, you know, it's a very hopeful film, <laughs> I mm-hmm. think, but it's also an honest film, I mean, film, you know, it doesn't, I, I think it, it comes to some tough truths and, and, uh, but, it, but it's optimistic about where people can kind of move, move on from those experiences. I thought I, I, it's a heartwarmer in that sense. Yeah, if you compare specifically Beth and Don with Michelle and Bill, who have not come out and said what's wrong, like he's sort of vaguely pretending that he supports her art, but he's also vocally resenting that she doesn't have a job. But they also both end up having affairs. And when she, when hers comes to light because she's arrested, and she snaps at him that like, yeah, of course she knew that he was having an affair with her best friend. Like, she's not an idiot. But that was something he didn't know that she knew. It was something that they didn't confront and they didn't talk about and they didn't work on in any way. There's a real feeling in that movie that they have both kind of given up on each other and on this relationship and that it's just something irritating and toxic that they would probably both be better off if they discussed it in any way. Whereas with Beth and Don, there's a feeling that a lot of these things wouldn't be painful if they hadn't sat on them for so long. You know, if she had said with the second pair of gold leaf earrings, like, oh, I I really liked the those specific ones, but I, I don't necessarily need more of these. Then it, it could have been like maybe a momentary hurt, but it wouldn't have been 24 pairs of wrong earrings later. You There's know? a point early on, a point where he says that, or Don says that if I'd said something, you know, earlier on, 
like a few drafts ago, maybe mm-hmm. maybe I could have gotten away with you know it, it could have worked, but now I'm in too deep to let her to let her know. Can I reveal something personal here? Uh, uh, my wife has a no more earrings policy. <laughs> 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 like 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 that was kind of a, that that was a go to for a little bit, and then it's like no, I don't want that as a gift anymore. <laughs> how do you how do you feel about V neck sweaters, Scott? She I I, do, I would not I'm not going to wear them. Uh, uh but. Uh, I would never see the thing is that's the difference between me and her. She would tell she she's the sort who's just saying, I, I yeah, I'm not I don't want that anymore. I I would be like I would like thank you. I'm I'm the more thank you for that. Thank you for that uh, sweater. That's a nice sweater. But uh, no, it's all, it's all Target gift cards for you now, right? <laughs> <laughs> Buy yourself exactly. something nice, honey. Exactly. I always I always love giving giving gift cards from when you have a joint account. That's always a good. It's always a good <laughs> gift. <laughs> But uh, anyway, uh, so what else? Uh, any other connections here we should talk about? This is a very short thing, not a new connection. I just want to make the point in the whole relationship thing and the whole, specifically the professional flailing uh, connection that you were t- bringing up, Scott. I think it's fascinating and telling that Beth keeps telling Don he's a good therapist, even though she just has no access <laughs> to that whatsoever. And he, said, he says at some point, you have no way of knowing that, you know? And, and it, we, it takes her aback because she, mm-hmm. I think she realizes, well, wait, that's true. And it's an, an interesting aspect of like cinematic storytelling, although you could get the same thing from literary storytelling. But storytelling in general is different from real life in this way because she, in real life, she would have no idea whether he was a good therapist. She can maybe project how he deals with their son, how he deals with her, how he deals with other people. But she simply does not have any way to see him and how he he acts interacts professionally with his clients because of, of privacy. So her knee jerk, like, of course, you're good at this, honey. You know, when she's called on to realize that she can't know whether that's true and that her instinct is to tell him is to reassure him and support him it's kind of a come to jesus moment for her it's kind of a wake-up call in a way i think is is really good and really interesting especially since from what we've seen as i say i don't think he's a very good therapist and the fact that she would say like oh you're you're i'm i'm sure you're great honey eh, maybe he does need to work on it he he gets so, more out of somebody criticizing him. He he's pushed harder by somebody criticizing him, even though he won't do it to his face, than he gets out of her her bland support. As with all the other professions, it's kind of hard to tell if he's good or not. I mean, he does have that older patient that he gets through, you know, and mm, eventually right. ends. And and then I think he eventually gets to a place where he's actually helpful to Zach Cherry's character, uh, the 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 patient who he overhears twice talking about what a waste of time his therapy <laughs> sessions are. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of tough to read. I think perhaps, though, I think she, he might be someone who would – had not been working at what he was doing as hard as he should. Yeah, you know? I mean, I, I took it less as that he was bad and more that he had kind of lost his passion for no, it. Sure. And, and I think like both of the two main couples, you kind of have that split where one of the uh, one half of the couple is still very invested in their career. And the other is kind of in a what am I doing here place, you know? <laughs> I actually really loved Michaela Watkins's character's 
not journey struggle, I guess. Uh, well, I guess her journey was mostly about that light fixture, which culminated <laughs> in the amazing visual of her <laughs> trying to, to hold that incredibly heavy uh, phallic uh, light, light fixture. But, mm-hmm. you know, her especially, you know, she seemed to be struggling with maybe the uh, lack of meaning in her uh, job, whereas Don is maybe just struggling with maybe being on autopilot, you know, I I imagine as a therapist for uh, decades, you hear a lot of the same things uh, again and again, we kind of get a hint of that where he mixes up uh, his patient's backstory uh, regarding her her dad. And he's, he's, he's mortified, he knows that is terrible, you know, and I think that is sort of a moment of realization for him that he is maybe checking out more, more than he should. But um, all of which is to say, Keith, I agree, I don't know that we should necessarily assume he's not a good therapist. He's maybe just become a disengaged therapist. I don't know that I fundamentally see the difference. I'm not making any argument that he was always a bad therapist and shall never be a a better therapist. I'm just saying that at the point that he's reached, he's not doing his clients any good. And he's he's just not doing his job. Sitting there and watching uh, David Cross and Amber Tamblyn pick at each other and not intervening or intervening in the most like tepid possible, like uncertain way. I guess in that Woody Allen neurotic comedy sense, like the the comedy that I drew from all of that is he, that he feels from the start that no, there isn't a relationship to salvage here. You should break <laughs> up, and therefore uh. it's kind of hard to step in and and take action. But the the fact of the matter is, until they push him again, until he gets criticism from an outside source and it motivates him to action, he is just sort of passively sitting there watching them snipe at each other, which, as David Cross says, we could do that at home. Don's uh, arc is maybe a good way to hop over to another small connection, because at the end, toward the end of the movie, where he says to Beth, you know, something, something like, I think I'm going to do it, you know, should I do it? And like, in the context, you think it's going to, it's something about his career, like he's going to make some big career move. And then in the one year later jump, it's revealed he had under eye surgery. <laughs> and, that, and that was the, the thing that she was in, in encouraging the, the big step forward, she was encouraging him to take. And connection wise, you know, there obviously is a plastic surgery uh, element in uh, Lovely and Amazing, but more so it's just a kind of about the idea of vanity, and it being sort of a maybe a natural and you accepted thing like it's all kind of tied up in the theme of of narcissism and self-awareness and all these these things we've been talking about but sort of physical vanity is you know definitely a, a part of that layer cake <laughs> uh, and that that both films kind of in, engage with uh, the icing if 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 you will and also surgery gone wrong, at least yeah. in the short term, you know, yeah. the yeah. the deleterious effects of having somebody take a knife to your body. Yeah. And I just I, I really appreciated that uh, You Hurt My Feelings did gender bend that with, with Don's character and uh, acknowledges earlier in the film, you know, like, well, you get Botox. Like, why is this a, a thing that you are allowed to engage with as a woman that I'm not allowed to engage with as, as a man? Uh, so I thought that was a maybe a nice little evolution of uh, idea that was in Lovely and Amazing. I also like the bit the bit about uh, how she says she could move her eyebrows. Yeah, <laughs> really uh, I think I, I, that's another thing. I think just Julie Louis Dreyfus as a uh, is such a gifted 
screen comedic comic that she's just she can really make moments like that sing she uh, dives on top co- of her son in the oh, i love that See, that's <laughs> yeah. comic and and dramatic touching you know, but, yeah you know, just i'm just like okay you know uh, i'm gonna protect you again you know mm-hmm. just by just falling hilariously on top of you it's although was, what, what makes it more layered than it would be otherwise is that she's interfering with him like he's <laughs> he's trying to placate the gunman yeah. and she's yeah. wrapping her arms around his head and he he can't move and he can't see like it's just so obviously sort of part of the theme of like I'm supporting you right now. I'm supporting you by helping you, which is literally holding you back. It's just, it's a very literal reimagining Uh of the same theme. And what makes it land instead of being overstated is the physical comedy of just how engaged, physically engaged they are with each other, with Mm -hmm. Julia just throwing her her arms around his eyes and uh, pinning him down with, with her body. It's really well choreographed. And his... His like his layered expression of I'm frightened because I'm I've got a gun being held on me and I'm exasperated because my <laughs> interfering mom is making this harder is really, really funny. She's so good. And like and the other like like real quick connection I wanted to make was we talked about the sort of wordless scene that, that Catherine Keener has in Lovely and Amazing. The scene where she overhears Don talking about <laughs> I know her this novel. is gonna be <laughs> it's it's so good because I mean the 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 you could see every changing expression, you know, every changing emotion crossing her face without really her face moving that much or for non-Botox reasons. Um, <laughs> but also the way that's written where it's just, you know, the shock of hearing the initial like, you know, mixed feelings about what her writing and then like the detailed expressions of like what exactly he doesn't like and his whole process of not telling her it's just so devastating you, you it's just such a it's really well written and so beautifully played as to how devastating that was if that movie if that scene didn't work i don't think the rest of the movie works at all yeah shout out to michaela watkins as well for mm-hmm. similarly I love her the stages that she goes through in that scene that are just sort of visibly Oh no, they're talking about her book. Oh no, she's not telling them she's here. I'm going to try to pull her away. I'm going to mouth at her. No, we we need to tell them we're here. No, she's committed to this. Oh God. And then she kind of turns away and hides her face because it's it's already too late to be the one who loudly says, hello, we're here. And she goes through a whole series of stages just with her, her face and her uh, body language that are really impressive in that scene. I just want to shout out the scene immediately after that when uh, Beth runs out of the store and thinks she is going to throw up. And uh, Julia Louis-Dreyfus does some uh, amazing uh, dry heaving. And then to kind of what you were saying earlier, Tasha, about the film kind of knowing when to, you know, cut away from the gag or stop the gag. Kind of being like, oh, okay, I guess you're not going to throw up. And just both <laughs> the way both of them play that, the rhythm of the scene is really uh, funny and, you know, just a, a little unexpected. So Lovely and Amazing isn't on any of the standard streaming or rental services, but you can find it streaming on Canopy if you have Canopy, or uh, it's on Tubi TV, which is how I watched it, uh, or it's on uh, DVD. Uh, you Hurt My Feelings is currently in theaters. Mm-hmm. 
finally, it's time to recommend a film or film-related item that complements this set of episodes. We call it Your Next Picture Show in the hopes that it'll put some interesting choices on your radar. Scott, what have you got for us today? Well, I've got something. <laughs> well, I have something this week. Uh, so we had mentioned this uh, before in, in I think maybe this, certainly last weekend, maybe this week, but but uh, of course, Nicole Hall of Center and Julie Louis-Dreyfus have worked together before on uh, the 2013 movie Enough Said. And I wanted to kind of single that movie out because it is also a very good film and, and a little bit of a change of pace for her. It is a more tra- uh, traditional romantic comedy um, uh, star- starring Julia Louis-Dreyfus and James Gandolfini as two empty nesters who are divorced uh, who start to see each other and the, the their relationship is complicated by the fact that uh, she is a massage therapist whose latest client happens to be uh, James Gandolfini's ex and 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 uh, she is played, played by, by uh, Catherine Keener uh, <laughs> who of course Catherine Keener and of course the, so so while she is in the middle of this relationship she is also hearing from his ex about all of his problems and all the, the all the you know which are both uh, cute and a, a little bit alarming to her and um, and of course you know eventually things have to be uh, r- revealed but uh, but it's a film of real sweetness and humor and insight and it's a great kind of final great role for james gandolfini it was it was finished but not released uh when he died and uh his performance is so easy and appealing and uh just such a different side uh but not wholly different from 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 tony soprano so uh yeah i i I can't really uh recommend it enough it's enough said and that that one you can find everywhere you don't have to go to tubi tv for that you can just rent it wherever you want uh so enough said 2013 everyone else has seen seen enough said yes yeah, but oh, yeah, not since it came out, and I I really should revisit it because I I have nothing but like warm memories of it, but they are foggy memories at best. Also, Michaela Watkins also in Enough Set, although I cannot remember her character. <laughs> yeah, it's been a, a bit for me too, but I'm, I'm sure she was great. She's always great. So that's it for this edition of the Next Picture Show. But we'll be back next week with another set of episodes. Genevieve, do you want to tell us about our next episodes? With his latest film, Asteroid City, Wes Anderson pushes some of the meta-touches that have become increasingly common in his films since the Grand Budapest Hotel, further than he's ever pushed them before, with a film that's actually a 1950s TV special taking viewers behind the scenes of a play called Asteroid City. You'll have to trust us that it makes more sense in context. That put us in mind of another piece of cinematic metafiction, Charlie Kaufman's directorial debut, Synecdoche, New York, a film about a play that threatens to envelop the life of its creator. We'll cover them both as our next pairing, which will not have a clever postmodern structure. Or will it? For now, we welcome your feedback on Lovely and Amazing, You Hurt My Feelings, and anything else film-related you'd like to talk about. Email us at comments at nextpictureshow.net or leave us a voicemail at 773-234-9730. Before we close out this week's episode, where can we find everyone these days? Tasha Robinson. 
You can find me on Polygon.com, where I'm the film and streaming editor. Uh, recently, you can also hear me on Star Wars Minute, discussing minute number 30 of Rise of Skywalker. The, the movies by minute <laughs> model still a, a fascinating podcast model. And pulling out a single minute of Rise of Skywalker, actually surprisingly fun. Still very much a fan of Alex Robinson and Pete the Retailer and uh, that podcast in general. You can find me on Twitter at Tasha Robinson. Genevieve? Uh, I am the TV editor at vulture.com, and you can find me on Twitter at Genevieve Kosky, where I just tweeted for the first time in a, a very Ooh. long time, sharing some of the work I've been doing over at, at vulture.com. And yeah. And, Did you get any good uh, engagement from people with blue checks? <laughs> <laughs> uh no no okay. but i got engagement from the people who matter like you scott oh, thanks. <laughs> uh and if you want to see pictures of my dogs uh they're on instagram at genevieve koski keith oh, i'm a freelance writer you can find me on twitter at kfip 3000 where i'm mostly just post links to my work these days uh places like gq the ringer vulture tv guide and you can always find me at the reveal at the reveal.substack.com a uh, newsletter that i co-write with my good friend uh what's his name scott tobias who you might also know from this podcast oh, speaking of which scott where can we find you well i i watched all, all of the minutes of the return of the jedi for guardian <laughs> the other the other week so <laughs> i was just stuck That's on too the many one minutes, from uh, from the uh ninth film or whatever um who has yeah. time <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly um so you find my work at guardian and uh, new york times uh, vulture other fine publications uh, and of course uh the reveal where where i uh, have have written uh, a piece about the the nicole hall of center and julia louis dreyfus collaborations um, so you can check that out you can stay updated on the Next Picture Show at nextpictureshow.net and on Twitter at nextpicturepod. Get bonus content and open discussion at patreon.com slash nextpictureshow. And as always, we appreciate your ratings and reviews on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to the show. Thanks to Dan the Baked Jakes for his assistance producing this podcast. The Next Picture Show is proud to be part of the film spotting family of podcasts. Please tune in next time. <laughs>